Hi guys, here we are with Amelie Arras, uh, Marketing Director at Zumo. How are you, Amelie? I'm very good, thank you, Lawrence. How are you? Good, good, good. Actually enjoying the weather. And we were actually just, um, Amelie and I were just talking and complaining about people who are complaining about how wonderful the weather is right now. Exactly. Do you know what? The other day, it was this week on Tuesday, I came out of the restaurant, Brasserie Blanc, French restaurant, obviously, because I'm French. Uh, I came out, it was 11 o'clock in the evening. And you know, like when you're on holiday, you get out of the restaurant, you've got aircon, and then there's a heat wave that hits you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness me, get out. It was 28 degrees. I felt like I was on holiday. I was like, oh yes, this yeah. feeling. I was like, some people do complain about it. I, there's no, no I'm, with, I'm with you. I, I genuinely would, ne- I, I would have this all year round. The hotter, the better. But um, on that, look, we, we do have to discuss uh, Zumo. We have to discuss like what it is that uh, you guys are doing. So, I mean, what, what actually is Zumo? And what is it that you guys are really building at the moment? Yeah, so, um, yes, I'm the marketing director at uh, Zumo. Zumo is a um, financial wellness platform, I would say. Um, so we've got two sides of the business. We've got a consumer app and our all vision is to bring the benefit of uh, decentralization and cryptocurrency to everyone. So um, why we believe that is because right now you've got the last two generation um, that are poorer than their parents. I mean, like if you look at the, uh, the, the inflation and uh, the, our oh, way yeah. of saving money, yeah, I mean, it is. Are you are you yourself able to save money, Lawrence? Uh, do you know what? I've I've been very very lucky. Um, I think, but again and again, I'm very open to this. I I, I I'm not from money. Um, I wasn't brought up with from a, a wealthy background, but I was very fortunate that actually I had parents that took like a huge huge stand in, in like my education and my brother's education, and they made sure that we actually were incredibly privileged when it came to our education. So, but most people don't don't have that. Um, in terms of whether or not, I would say, do you know what I think? So my parents were born in like the 1950s. I think that was probably the best time to be born. I think that actually from a financial perspective, yes, they talk about high interest rates in the 1980s, but it was just so much simpler. Like I think now, like for us, and again, for like, just like the younger generation, like not just money, but how do you stand out? Like, so when I left like university, I wanted to go and work in banking. And like, obviously like the internet wasn't really, they had like monster.com. Do you remember monster? The, it was the job app. Like that was a website. Like, like, but otherwise you would just apply like to companies directly. You would write to them. And I just, I just took my CV, I printed it off. And I would go, I would go to like places like Lehman Brothers and like wait outside. I would go to like investment um, houses, like the investment boutiques on London Wall. I'd go to like just like recruitment agencies and they'd be like, oh, we've got you five interviews for next week, you know? And like, I, I don't know, I don't know how, I think it's much more challenging to really like stand out from the competition, which again, is probably like why we're building rail, right? To simplify that. Um, but in terms of in terms of wealth, I, I, I honestly I, I I don't know. I think we're probably more spoiled in the in the fact that we can just travel. 
But are you a traveler? I am a traveler. I um yeah. I I love traveling. The pandemic was quite hard not to be able to travel because I um actually it's possibly how um I'll say a little bit of how I fell into uh, into cryptocurrency and my journey to Zumo is in 2017 I went around the world paying only using Bitcoin. So I went around like 16 different countries uh, and paying yeah just just with Bitcoin. And that's kind of like how I got into cryptocurrency and then got a few jobs into cryptocurrency. But doing that initiative, that travel, marrying travel, my yeah, my love for travel and the cryptocurrency is kind of like what differentiated possibly like me from the crowd and gave me that edge when talking with employers. Uh, because it, I mean, what employers are looking today is that, um obviously like your qualification and like and uh, your experience but something that if you are able as a person to show like okay look like i've done that and this actually has demonstrated this skills and this skills and this skills then the employer might will be more able to relate to like your experience and what you have done into like possibly like the role that they will be fitting you in into an organization sure i have to ask i'm quite curious when you talk about um um traveling around the world on bitcoin i i assume you must have heard about it from uh, quite early on um is it something that you you regret now is it or is it something where you think actually it was worth it i'm just thinking if you held that bitcoin that might have proved to be a very 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 expensive trip so <laughs> So I will, on it, basically. I, I will give you like what I'm keep sure. telling him myself. You paid it's like a million dollars for a flight, basically. That, that's yeah. what you've done. That, you that's haven't. what I've done. Oh, I, no. I am experienced rich now. Oh. This, this is what you keep telling yourself. Okay. okay. Where did you go? Sorry? Where did you go? Went to uh, America. Uh, so Canada, America. Uh, then I did um, Hong Kong, Vietnam, oh. uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and then the rest was mostly in Europe. I went from uh, Istanbul to Amsterdam and all the countries in between. Um, nice, but, nice. I was actually lucky. Like, I think a few years, like, or a few years ago, actually, like. Um, I had an, a, an American girlfriend in London and we went around. I, I can't remember how many countries we did, but do you know what? Looking back, it was, I was so lucky that we did it. I, I really think nothing, nothing beats traveling. I love it. Nothing, nothing at all. And I, like now, like that, everything like reopened. I mean, like it's, it is a bit, I think like the world has gone a bit mad now with like in traveling. I think like a few of my friends, I don't know about you, but like now when you've got the opportunity to travel, you're like, yes. I'm going. Whereas, like before, you might have been like, "Oh, hang on, I've got that that I need to do for work." Whereas, like now, it's like, "Okay, no problem." <laughs> no, I have to be. I have to be honest. Like the last five years for me have just been like work, like nonstop work. I've done very, very little traveling except for work. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, my friends are definitely taking advantage. I think one of my friends is actually, as we're talking, I can see he sent me pictures from Barcelona. So yeah. <laughs> Um, weather but what why we why would we go anywhere when the weather is like this in the uk right it's 31 uh, degrees <laughs> yeah, london in the rain london in the rain london in, in the sun 
he's like he's one of the best cities in the world. Yeah. When it's sunny, I love it. Oh, but okay. I get it. But pulling back, we do have to discuss. Um, we do have to discuss uh, work at some point. Um, in terms of Zuma, like obviously, you know, you're you spoke about there about you said that there's an element of like wellness to what it is that you guys are doing. Yeah. How does that tie in for a fintech company? Yeah. So. Um... It was very interesting what you were saying about the fact that you like you had a uh, parents that were uh, actually helping you like from from the get go they gave yeah. you that financial education and really like that is not the case for like uh, you are very lucky and I am also like really lucky my dad was obsessed with spreadsheet and with finance therefore like I kind of like grew up with that mindset of you need to look after money and this is how you are growing your money. Um, but people don't, most people don't have this. And because at Zumo, like we've made our mission, like to bring the benefit of blockchain to everyone with new sustainable tool that outperform what we say, like legacy, legacy ones, so like traditional finance. Um, what that means is that because cryptocurrency is so new and it's, it's, it's kind of like advanced, we're not saying that cryptocurrency is like what is going to make you the most financially fit but what we're saying is we want to bring financial wellness to people everywhere and not the one who are the most tech savvy or financially literate and there is a step back we have got to take a step back before we're able to do that as a cryptocurrency business because we've got to say like okay like we have got to educate first on this is financial wellness financial wellness is you first have a budget, you calculate, you, you know what's your outgoing and your um, and what's coming in. You start diversifying, you set yourself like pension, you set yourself like here and there, like some way like to grow your money. And then once you have got enough and you've got like a, you've sorted like what you've got to pay every month and you have that pocket of money that is disposable income that you can invest, then you look at diversifying your portfolio and, and do some investment. And part of this investment, you might want to consider cryptocurrency. And we have got a responsibility. And I think like all the crypto business have, have got a responsibility to educate on that, on that thing. Because cryptocurrency, if you're told that it's, gonna, it's something that's going to make you rich quick, then it's likely to be a scam. And this is not at all like this. Yeah, so yeah. there's that responsibility to really educate the people as they are starting to, in, to look at crypto, to say like, this might not be for you. Yeah, but there, there are gonna be loads of scams coming out mm. in the next few years. Um, I think oddly, oddly enough, I was actually doing a, a, another podcast this morning and we kind of hit on this topic and it was just a, I think there's definitely a responsibility from like the regulators, from governments to make sure that um, people understand the pitfalls of cryptocurrency. But again, I, I think, and again, you know, we don't offer any financial advice, but I think for me investing, it, it does come down to that discipline. And I think that actually in terms of crypto, the challenge is knowing, right? It's, it's getting how much information is there on a particular coin? How much information is there on a company? And for me, I, th I think that's really the biggest challenge for the good companies and for the regulators so they can actually like stand out from the crowd. 
Yeah. And do you know what? I was at the um, at the parliament a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, cryptocurrency. So it was a part of the um, it's called it's like an innovation hub that go and talk to um, go and talk to, to parliament. So that was like five panelists at in the House of Commons with the MP and each of us did a, a speech about like what cryptocurrency and, and it kind of like it was it was kind of like a bit of an education of the room on what cryptocurrency were, what were some of the benefit and some of the limitation. And the big theme on that day was education, because like the regulators are obviously really afraid that the the media coverage of cryptocurrency is increasing, but actually the understanding by the public is like going down. So like the whole question was like, okay, what what are we like what is it that we should be doing and one one of my points there that I made was it's all good about learning about cryptocurrency but it's very complicated for like anyone I mean like from an exterior point of view when you're trying like to learn cryptocurrency it's very overwhelming and very difficult you suddenly have got all this jargon all these terms that are difficult to get in the first place because they are terms that would relate to financial terms so if you're not familiar with a financial with a traditional financial term how can you be expected to learn about cryptocurrency therefore the learning curve is extremely yeah. steeped so one of the things that i kind of like put forward was and I, i'll tell you what happened is um i make my point about education and that it should financial wellness should be something that is taught at school because this is something i'm, I'm really passionate and that we really passionate also at sumo about like that piece of education so I kind of like made my point about financial wellness being taught at school the room really agreed and they kind of like applauded and then the MP turned nice. around and, say, and said and said like it was like this like pointing on the finger it was like to all of you that that, that clapped who wants to pay more tax and I was like oh okay I, I'm clearly overstepping no, so sorry go on I, yeah sorry but how like I would pay more tax for my children to be educated on financial yeah. wellness. You no, know they're, they're so detached. And you know, I, I know this is being recorded, but I'm going to go on record and just saying that actually I, I, I went to parliament, parliament myself. And, and I think that we, in some aspects, I have to say we're, we're very fortunate that, you know, we have like MPs that give people like you and I the time, you know, they want to understand like what, what the future of industry is going to look like. But it's, it says, if you think how overwhelming it is for the public, they're just members of the public themselves they don't understand it and it's it's you know if they're saying things like um oh you know like who wants to pay more tax like they're not quite understanding that actually behind that is the opportunity to create millions of jobs and what, what did you say when he said that how did you react I'd, i i just zipped it and i was like Oof. why <laughs> because it was, time, it was time to it was time to stop i think because okay. i did another one i want i won't say it, but then after like i did another one where i thought like oh i know how to answer this question um i kind of like zipped it a little bit i was like maybe it's not quite the the time the time to do it but i think like the whole room kind of like accepted like yeah it is it, financial wellness edu and education on that is required so we wrote to 650 like members of parliament worked to every member of parliament um for about actually no sorry that's not fair to say we wrote we, I, we wrote to a, several members of parliament for three years 
We got no response whatsoever. Um, we started like we actually built bots and we got the bots to start like emailing them. And yeah, I shouldn't really admit that, but we got bots to start emailing them. And then we started getting responses and we got one who actually like has, I won't, I'm not going to name drop, but um, he's actually been amazing. Like he's, you know, I think there's, there's like humility there and there's an acknowledgement that he hasn't got all the answers. There's an openness to learn. Um, and there's a willingness to actually say, right, what can we do to help businesses like you, you know? And um, I think that there are some members of parliament who are working incredibly hard incredibly hard to say we might not have all the answers so let's bring in the people that might yeah um but in terms of taxes I, I don't think that should be the focus i think the focus really should be how do we use our taxes more efficiently and how do we create more high paying jobs that generate higher volumes of tax because if you look at like unemployment rates everyone goes on about how unemployment rates are like two percent three percent but how many of those jobs, how many of those people are actually earning enough money to really live a good life? Yes, that is a big point, especially like now with inflation. Like, how can you, if the wages have not increased, able to keep up with an, inf with an inflation rate? I mean, like we are at the highest now that it's ever been. But, but even if, if you are, are, even if you are, even if you are like earning like like a decent salary like it's become just a tax inflation is just a tax on the people it's a tax in itself um and what's happened is that after the two and correct me if i'm wrong but i think that after the 2008 actually i'm showing my age now after the 2008 2009 financial crisis you know they the, they kicked the can so far down the road rather than address the real issues that now it's the younger generation who are paying for it and I promise you, unfortunately, flights, there's no chance flights are going to stay this cheap. No, this will go up and up. I read a very, very good book um, uh, called The uh, Optimist. Oh, I'm terrible at remember, remembering the name of the books. Um, uh, the, oh, the uh, positive, stubborn optimist. I think it's called and but what that old book is about is it's actually about the climate but it's ex, it's explaining some very very basic term what the climate urgency is right now and in that book it tells you how in the future the flights are going to be very very expensive because this is the biggest um one of the one of the biggest issue is how we travel sure do we need actually to travel like that or could we all take train then now then like you might if we were saying that and they were like someone like of um, i don't know some someone from transport in the room it would say like it would say like oh but do we have the infrastructure to actually accommodate for all the travelers if we didn't land in the plane if we only had train maybe okay fair enough but um you know like is there are we everything will change everything will change but should it be cheap i know it sounds weird like, like we're spoiled in terms of like i remember like booking flights to hong kong for like 300 or like to thailand like you know for like 300 400 pounds you know should it be that cheap to like fly across an entire planet 
Yeah. Like, like you know, it's... I'm, I am thinking, why does it cost as much for me to do a one hour flight to Marseille? <laughs> Two hour flight to Marseille. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but you're still, you're still flying. You're, we're actually, we're flying. We're, we're, and yeah. the thing is, is, we've just become so like spoiled in the fact that actually we can just go in these metal tubes, sit there for a, a finite amount of time, and they just drop us off on another side of the planet. So I, I, it probably should be more. But I, I think what's interesting, actually, about what you're saying is that, you know, you're, you're engaging with Parliament. You know, Zuma obviously mm -hmm. um, sitting at the forefront of, of, of the crypto space. Um, where's the, where, where is all this going? Like, uh, do you feel that actually governments need to be doing more? Or is the British government on par with other countries? So we... the. The Parliament is doing, I feel, quite a lot already. They're, like as you said, like there is that openness from them and like genuine interest who want they want to do it, but it's very, very complex, so it's taking time. But the UK has got the ambition to become the world leading hub for cryptocurrency. Like it was an announcement that was made a at the beginning of the year for their plan for that to happen. So there are a lot of movement and where we're going at Zumo and where the space is going really is, I mean, like now we're in a crash, right? Like the price of crypto has crashed massively. There are a lot of like uncertainty and there are a lot of like companies that throughout this crash will not survive. And the strong companies that will survive are the one who have been taken, have been taking that longer view of, Crypto works with regulation, has got to work with regulators to be able to survive. He has got to work with traditional finance. Like we have got to operate in a way that is safe and secure for customers and for people like, yeah, for people like you and me who are getting into the space. So there is a long road there. Um, for us, like as uh, the as Zumo uh, Zumo and our Zumo app, like we've got a easy to use like wallet to buy certain cryptocurrency. Like we've been doing a, a lot of like work. I mean, like our team, our founders, like Nick and Paul, from the get go, they were like, we are going to be the first regulated cryptocurrency uh, business in the UK. So what what they've done is like they have worked with a regulator. We actually became the first non-custodial wallet uh, to become registered with a financial conduct authority in the UK. There is about 28 um, firm or a bit more like now on that. Um, you in other markets though? Are you in other countries? Because I've got to say, like, sorry, go on. Are we we're in the UK at the moment, and we're going to be expanding to Europe. Right. One thing I have to disagree with you about is like the ambition of like the UK government, like in terms of. I think a lot of it is lip service. Like, did you? I don't know if you saw like on the .gov website, they put out this like super ambitious statement about like you what you were saying about like leading the world in fintech and crypto, but when you go to like Dubai, Singapore. Miami like a lot of places are saying they're going to be the world leaders in crypto and when you see what other what other countries are doing in terms of sorry let me do, I think the country or you know the countries that regulate crypto first and do it in a scalable manner 
that's the country that is going to like dominate in the space. But you know, countries like Mexico, Brazil, like, they cannot be overlooked. Um, and I, I just think that respectfully to the UK government, I think a lot of it is just lip service. Mm -hmm. You know? I, I am a hopeful person. I would say that all the time. Oh, okay. well, I, I love, I love the fact that this is something that they want. I think like by, because they say it, that there must be like a wish there. Now, is it lip service or is it not? What will matter is then like the action that they put behind yeah. it. Like we, we do see like they do invite, you know, like the, I mean, like this year we had, uh, it's taken like a, a bit of a long time, but the FCA has invited and done like the crypto sprint, whereby they have invited a lot of like company to participate into looking into like regulation, how the crypto industry should be regulated in the UK. Um, the we, we have the infrastructure above any other country in the world. The UK has the infrastructure to lead in terms of like financial services. Hmm. We are, yeah. We've 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 got we've got that. But one of the um, uh, one of the topic that came out again, or like last time um, I went to the parliament, was um, on that relationship between like th the difference between like other countries and the UK. Um, one of the things that they mentioned is like the the way that we operate as a government and a country is very very different. For example, the like of Dubai. Therefore, implementing certain like policies or innovation would be like much harder than other countries now i don't know like that might be sorry sorry are you saying it's harder in the uk or harder in the uae harder harder in the uk than right. in the uae now like how much of that is like a political discussion as opposed to like look there's like clearly a lot of like learning that we need to take from dubai and be able to apply it in the uk um i don't know uh, but it is, it is quite interesting, like the way that the certain government would be more inclined to, to take it. I mean, like Dubai is like completely right to be doing that. And this is why they are attracting like so many of talent within the crypto space currently that go and go to Dubai because they are able to provide the regulatory environment um, for the companies to thrive and therefore like the company being able to hire like the best, the best of the talent. So, I mean, like, yeah. So, so like, that, that, that's, that's one thing that we kind of like discussed with like the MPs. And I was saying to them like companies like Rayon, we're just gonna move to Dubai. Like, if, if honestly, if, if the UK can't keep up, if there's not enough, um, advancement in terms of like regulation and understanding as to what's happening in the blockchain and not even the crypto space but in the, the blockchain and fintech space um you know like it's quite there's other countries that are quite attractive propositions for us to actually let's just go but um you know we'll take our job take the jobs with us but then it's just the whole point of why we started rayon was to actually build jobs create a sustainable jobs market across the commonwealth and across the united kingdom so the idea of now actually thinking well wait a minute if the uk don't really 
or the, sorry, their actions don't meet, meet their words, then, you know, at some point, the companies like ourselves are forced to get up and move. I mean, have you guys discussed that at all, Zuma, or is that not even a consideration for you guys? It's, it's not like a conversation that I would be like involved in. This is more like the conversation, like on like the top with like the founders. But I think like the UK, there's so much, there's so much to be done in the UK and like still like of the opportunity. But I'm quite interested. So like Rayon, at the moment you're, so how come, like, so do you feel that you, like it's very, very difficult because of the government to be able to operate in Europe? Do you feel that you could actually transport like all you do, operate from Dubai and still, fulfill your vision <laughs> but no so here's the thing first of all, i'm not i'm not i'm genuinely not blaming any governments like the, i think governments are completely overwhelmed i think the challenge for young companies in any space is is about funding right so how do you compete with companies that get tons of funding so i'll give you an example like we we read recently that one of uh, a girl that went to school with kate middleton supposedly a friend but i don't know how accurate that is um, received government funding for her startup killing kittens and essentially respectfully it's for married people to go and have like discreet affairs right that was funded by our government now after everything that happened with prince andrew mm. everything that has happened um with uh Ghislaine Maxwell and Ep whatever that Epstein guy you know after everything with that surely our government should be thinking actually we need to be funding projects that are positive we need to be focusing on how do we create more jobs how do we remain competitive against essentially sorry to say against our adversaries and how do we make sure that we retain the best talent and I think investing in companies like that, that, that's taxpayer money, going into gimmicky companies to the people that need it the least. Like, and it's just, and I just think actually, you know, from meeting with parliament, we've actually applied to about a thousand VCs now, maybe a bit less, like nine, nine, 900 VCs. And we've had about 900 rejections, which is fine, that's part of it. But I think that it's so hard, it's so difficult for young companies to get funding that unless you know that essentially i think well actually we can go to america and culturally there's a much more open-minded uh, approach where they say do you know what we'll, we'll put a quarter of a million dollars into this we'll put half a million a million into this and they create opportunity mm -hmm. in, in the not just the uk but across europe you could have the best idea in the world you could have the best team you could have the best ability to execute and still not receive any support whatsoever. And the reason why that is, is because you just don't know the right people. And ironically, I don't know how, because we, you know, I think when I look at my team, you know, we've all been very privileged in terms of education. None of us have got any contacts. So, <clears throat> you know, we've had to actually, essentially, the positive thing is that we've had to work out every problem. How do we do it ourselves? How do we build technology that is going to compete with, um, the very best tech companies. We've worked that out. How do we develop artificial intelligence and, and implement machine learning strategies that are going to be able to compete with the best companies in the world? How do we implement marketing strategies, right? How do we implement sales? So the way I did that, I just said, right, guys, 
which is going to keep costs down minimum right these companies can get a million they can have a million they can have five million but they can't outthink us and they can't outwork us so my attitude is very much like actually you kind of sit around feeling sorry for yourself or you can actually just build a phenomenal world-class team which costs nothing but time and you know i think that the governments should be looking at companies like ourselves and saying these companies rayon that's the future our tagline is challenge the future, right? Challenge the future. And what we're building is a platform whereby people like ourselves can come onto the platform and they can build their own tech startup. And we can actually provide them with the resources because we know we've done it ourselves. We can provide them with the resources to build their company and get it to a point where they're generating revenue without having to rely on bank of mum and dad without having to um, apply to a wide combinator and sequoia arc and all these other again american um, 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 accelerator programs you know and i think that essentially there's an opportunity here for us to say actually let's give you know um, british people the chance to start british companies in fact sorry not even just british people give people the opportunity globally to, to build their own companies. Um, and we're starting really um, in terms of in the blockchain and fintech space. And we're starting really in um, it, across the Commonwealth. Because I think actually that's a phenomenal opportunity for us to help people who certainly haven't had privileged educations, haven't got the contacts themselves, you know, and they'll work hard. They'll work hard, they'll go for it. And they come up with the best ideas because they, they're living the problems that people need solutions to. And this is, is admirable, like what you have been, what you've been building. Because if you think about it really, like that startup, like lean startup without funding, they are the startup that are the more, I'd say like going back to like what I said, like right at the beginning, experience rich. Because like yeah. during the journey, you have gone through the struggle. So you know that you can actually do things very, very well with limited amount of budget that you can actually build it. You can have a reference point of like how much these things take. Whereas like some of like possibly like the, the one that are funding like with million, million, they just like go and spending without really realizing like where they could cost. Like, so you get a proposal for like, okay uh i don't know like hundred thousand like to do something then actually you would be able to say that now a hundred thousand this is not the price this is actually the price going back to there so i i feel like there is there is a lot of like learning to go back onto like your point like with the government um we've actually been um we've been lucky like we've had possibly like the opposite experience that that you have had in that sense um where recently we have uh, we have applied for funding to further our research into decarbonizing uh, crypto. And we received, we were, we are actually one of the first crypto project to receive funding from the government through Innovate UK. Um, Did you get that? That's amazing. That yeah, so wow. that, it is, we were quite, I mean, like going back to like Zumo and our, our, our vision and, and our mission really, like we want to bring sustainable, uh, solution to increase financial wellness everywhere and by sustainable what we mean is 
non-sustainable in terms of the environment, which is actually something that we're doing like a huge amount of work. Like we, um, we put out a report uh, in uh, October 2021 where we have, um, sorry, excuse me, uh, Lawrence, I will be two seconds. No worries. So in, 20, in October 2021, we published a report um, on the back of uh, a lot of like research. So like from the get-go, Zumo wanted to, we had very strong beliefs and values about the environment. We first started with a relationship with WasteAid, which is a charity that help um, people around the world to reduce, in some of the poorest area of the world, to reduce their waste. And this was like one of the way to think about like, okay, like what actually Zumo is doing? We want to be an impactful business. What are some of the things that we do need to do? So that's, we did waste state first. Then we went on to calculate our own carbon footprint for which from the get-go we were, we are carbon neutral. And then we realized like, right, like cryptocurrency is actually a huge, um, it has a huge impact on the climate, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. So from the get-go, we set out to engage and work with some of like the best names within the industry. So we, we brought together industry experts and energy gurus. So the Crypto um, Climate Accord, Energy Web, uh, Cambridge University um, Institute for Alternative Finance, um the digiconomist um and what we've done is that we sat them all down at a round table went through all the different facts and published that report in october 2021 which is decarbonizing crypto a state of play report that looks at everything then once we had done this we had identified methodology methodologies to quantify the energy consumption linked with bitcoin which is one of the biggest um, one of the cryptocurrencies that's got the biggest impact, really. Like when we talk about cryptocurrency having an impact on the environment and with a very strong ele electricity consumption, we are talking about Bitcoin. So we used one of the methodologies and we have tested this with our, um, with our customers and via a pilot program that was called Zero Hero. And that pilot, what we did is like for every Bitcoin that was purchased via the Sumo app, we were buying renewable energy certificate um, to compensate for the electricity that was linked to the Bitcoin that was purchased. Now, what that did was that it, for us, like you allowed us like to look at our um, at how customers were responding to this. It allowed us to test one of our first methodology because like it's not a thing like you normally know, it's not like instant like there is a long road to go still um but that was like the first step and as part of this pilot program what like the the outcome if you want um was that we have um we have purchased enough renewable energy certificate which then serve incentivize the renewable energy market therefore like the generation of more renewable energy um we have yeah so we have covered enough so it was 18 uh 350 megawatts and what that represents if you want um as a visual mind is over three million miles 
driven by a electric car. So that's about a time, I believe, back and forth from the earth to the moon with an electric car. Yeah, it's like a huge, yeah. huge amount of electricity that was covered. Um, there's 85% of our customers who said that they were more likely to use a platform that was doing their bits about the, into mitigating the environmental impact of cryptocurrencies. So, and all of that learning, if we want, we've packaged into another report called Decarbonizing Crypto, Moving Toward Practical Solution. And that further research, like we have identified certain projects that we want to be doing, and we have applied for funding, and then we got the funding through Innovate UK. So yeah, that's that's kind of like the, the journey that we have taken. And, and we just really at the beginning of our journey, like this summer, like our team is working like really hard on that research project. Um, and then the next phase will be implementing actually on a technology point of view. Sure. What like that, that the solution for our customers. But, and, and I mean, when you got the Innovate UK grant, like, did you have customers at that point? Like that is a huge achievement that is not easy to get and uh i think in yeah. terms of, sorry yeah so we we've we we had like customers already so okay. uh zumo we launched in 20 um in 2020 so we've got over 60,000 customers now on our app um and they like we have used if you want like that pilot like the the pilot and like the learning to apply for our funding and and you, me you mentioned how like, a lot of your customers, you know, um, they're attracted, I guess, or they're more inclined to use or work with companies that are um, focusing on, you know, net zero carbon emissions, like, you know, focusing on making sure that they're green conscious. Um, are those, are your clients, are they, are they typically, are they all in the fintech space themselves or are they, is it, do you have a much broader range? So we, um, so Zumo as, as the app um, to, as the app, like, so we like Zumo and like our thing is like smart money for everyone. So we have got, our customers really are anyone who's been like crypto curious. We've got a really wide range of customer. Like we've got customers from like 18, 19 to like over 60 I mean like it's been like quite amazing the broad range of people we've got people who who came to Zumo because like they were recommended as because we are like a very simple and sleek app yeah. um, and then we've got other customers who are I mean like they've been in crypto for many many years and they use Zumo because we are non-custodial meaning that the funds you you currently have got you all your funds, Zumo has not got custody of your fund, although this is a feature that we are rolling out um, in the near future. But we've got that element, if you want, of um, your crypto, your own crypto, you know, like you've got your keys, it's your crypto. So, yeah, I mean, like it's kind of like everywhere. But then if I kind of like reflect on, on, on that part, would actually would you if you had the choice between one company that was not doing anything and a company that was doing something which one would you choose i mean if the yeah if the offering was 
the same in terms of the product mm -hmm. was equally as good. Obviously, I would go with a company that's looking to do good every time. Yeah. Um, I think it's hard for the consumer. And this is the challenge I think companies have is being able to, in fact, it's becoming easier, but it's, it's hard to prove that they're actually having a positive impact mm -hmm. um, on the world as a whole. Um, but I think, yeah, absolutely. You, you would, would I think anyone would go with the company that is, is looking to benefit the environment. Um, in terms of that, I mean, what, what, what is the future for Zuma? And I want to discuss a bit more about your background, but I mean, like first, like, so you touched in that on, on what you guys have built and what you're building. What does the future look like for your company? So for us, the future is um, continuing really to bring the financial tool that are bringing financial wellness to everyone. And uh, we know that the blockchain is the future. So currently we've got a non-custodial tool, like soon, like our tech team has been doing like so much work in the last few months on like developing tools that really are bridging between the decentralized finance and the traditional finance. So um, what that means is like, we started, if you want, like Zumo was built on the ground of like, of just blockchain. And then we had like products so like of, so for example, like we've got like a debit card that you can have that allow you like to spend, uh, to spend as normal. So like you can kind of like, can use your app, Zumo app as a, as a financial app for you to manage all your money in one place um, currently. But then we then we will add um, like a Zumo trade product where you can trade for um, for less. You, we will gonna we're gonna add um, a uh, another account whereby like it generate like interest. So it's kind of like a saving account for for um, uh, for cryptocurrency, but that works that generate more saving than your traditional accounts. Like we kind of like want to compete to make sure that um yeah that people can actually save um when you look at inflation right now um and so like we're really going into that direction we keep building like product to bring financial wellness to people everywhere and then another side of the business that we have got actually and um and tech people are quite interested into it is um our b2b offering so all the tech that we have developed we are providing that for banks and fintech and other fintech so that they can themselves like roll out compliant esg aligned and secure solution to their customers for them like to access cryptocurrency because let's face it cryptocurrency is not going to go anywhere and therefore like we're helping them to go to market with that yeah, I was interested. I was wondering about your B2B offering. Um, and, and in terms of yourself, like, what's your background? How did you end up at, at Zumo? So I, um, as I said at the beginning, I, so I was, I've always been, if you want, like, I, I mean, I, I really fell into like fintech and, and crypto. Um, I was an editor for a luxury lifestyle magazine. And then I got pulled into doing um, a bid uh, for a, to do marketing strategy and planning for a fintech whilst I was in my in in that company who had different branches because I had a marketing degree that said like oh Amelie you're the best person to do that which actually I was just coming out of university which was quite interesting <laughs> for me um, but then 
as soon as I kind of like got into like the meat of like fintech and everything, I just loved it instantly, like that financial wellness. And then that was like the start of my career in fintech. Then I went traveling around the world with cryptocurrency. And then in 2020, I set up my, um, my, my own agency then doing like PR for crypto, uh, marketing for crypto, and really specialized myself into, into crypto. And then um, as I was in my agency, I kind of like was thinking, so it was like the middle of the pandemic and it was quite a bit lonely to be like to be alone you know like quite it's, it was quite a like that kind of time where you felt really lonely and like you were not part of, I don't know I felt like I wasn't quite part of like a team yeah. at the time yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean like you look yeah. all isolated from society yeah I, I literally spent two years in a room you yeah. know working so it's mad when you think about it we would be able to tell like children and everything when we're very old I can just imagine myself saying like Oh, in my time, we were queuing to get into, into, into a shop. Yeah. I know. But we had to wash our hands every day, every single time we were touching something. Wash every, like 20 times a day. No, but I, I know it sounds weird though. Like when, like when we, when we think about it, look, it's a very weird thing to explain to someone, like what, what we actually did. But relatively speaking, a lot of, I see a lot of people, maybe I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm lacking empathy, but I see a lot of people saying like how hard it is and everything. And, and, it, and it is hard. It was definitely like lonely. We definitely were completely isolated, but it wasn't like being in World War II. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like if you had to, if you had to pick, like sitting in and like playing PlayStation versus like going through World War II. No, but do you know what I mean? Yes, awesome. I I would pick definitely the PlayStation. Although I don't know how to play, but I will have a lot of time <laughs> on my hands to be able. Yeah, to you'd learn. <laughs> you'd um, really good FIFA. No, you're right. Like, yeah, people like we're moaning. Like, if you think about like what's happening like now in the world, right? Like, yeah, we were stuck, yeah. and yeah, yeah. It, no, but it, it, it was it was just a very 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 odd time. Yeah. I think but again I, I think what's interesting that's come out of it are much more socially conscious companies companies like Zumo companies like Rayon I, I think there's certainly an element of what we're building what we're doing yeah, yeah that and, that, and you know what like whilst I was at like that feeling of like loneliness like I came across Zumo and I spoke with our CEO like Nick and he explained to me the vision so first, when I saw the branding of Zumo, um, I just fell in love with the branding. I thought like, do you know what? They have nailed it. For a crypto company, they don't appear like a crypto company, which is, it was so refreshing. So actually like in that podcast, I'd say like massive kudos to like Neville Porterly, who's our creative director, because like it like it is love. You can feel the love when you see like the Zumo branding, which is what I fell in love with. Um, that, but then Nick was Nick was explaining to me the the vision and their strong values for sustainability and the way I met like a few people in the team and I was like, oh my goodness me, like it's so lovely. It's a company that I mean I love my my independence and and my freedom. And when I set up my agency, I kind of went like. I will never go in-house because I will lose my freedom. But when I joined Zumo, Zumo and when I was speaking to Zumo, I really felt like 
I'm not going to lose. I'm going to be able to be myself and still value like my independence, my freedom and et cetera. I have my values, my sustainability value aligned in so many cases and be part of a team because like what they've built, they've done amazing, really. Like the, the team is remote, but you can really, really feel yeah. the team spirit. I mean, like last week, we like this week on Tuesday, we were at an event called the Defy Summit. And that event was with like it was put together the team was we were eight at the event they were the sales team the tech team our cto was there tim sabanov uh, commercial director eddie um jordan and alex who are from our tech team and i mean the spirit and the the enthusiasm passion. the passion on the booth i was i you know i i've i was in the marketing obviously in organizing the the event and then looking at the booth and looking at the tech and sales team working together and their enthusiasm I just could not believe I mean like Jordan and Alex were at the pitch for Zumo Enterprise really like nailed down they knew the story like they were enthusiastic yeah. they yeah. they were like communicating really engaging with people and I was like oh my goodness me this is why I love this team this is why I love it it's because like people are passionate about what they do and that it really is to me what 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 made me fall in love with Zumo and why I'm still in love with my job at Zumo is because of the people there you know and I think that's really interesting like what you're saying in terms of like I don't think people care about whether they're running a company whether or not it's their company you know I think more than anything it's people just want to work with other people they admire and it's obviously like you know it's very transparent you clearly admire all the people you work with you know? yeah I, I i feel i feel the same way about my team genuinely i really really admire them and i think <clears throat> when i left the city i would have happily have gone to work for someone else i just wanted to be part of something special i wanted to be part of a, of a team that had a very clear and specific mission and it was something that well went way beyond the realms of just making money I think that's really special when, when you find it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's definitely the, the most rewarding. And yeah, you go to work and you, knowing that you've got some good people. But I mean, like, it, if, when I reflect onto it, like we've got this amazing lady like uh, Dagmara, who's taken that role of people and culture, chief people and culture officer. We're a small startup, you know, like, how many how many startups really from the get-go get someone to really look after people i mean it's amazing it's really yeah. it's really amazing to have that and like the real like the culture and like the value are driven into everything that that we do um so emily yeah well i think let's end on a high we'll end there that is really interesting to see well it's always interesting to see you um <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate your time today and Thank you so much, Lawrence. I could I could carry on speaking to you for like the the whole day. <laughs> uh, likewise, I've already like I've already actually cancelled my next meeting. I've uh, I was meant to be there like twenty minutes ago, but <laughs> but I, I sincerely appreciate your time. So yeah, hopefully we will definitely do this again very soon. Super. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Have a lovely day.